Welcome to Langstaff Online. My name is Michael De Silva, and I am your host for episode six. In this episode, we are going to be listening to Stephen Grant's report session that was provided at the Christian Fellowship Weekend, just before the Q&A panel discussion, which included Stephen Vance and Brian Joyce. The theme of the report was to look at outreach work in Scotland and consider how we as Christians can live out the love of Christ in our local community. Self-con, kind of. <laughs> so um, let me turn this down a wee bit. So first of all, let me say that um, I'm not going to be speaking to you and telling you that uh, we have a fantastic gospel work going in Scotland and have everything sorted, and that you have lots to learn from us. So we still have lots to learn, um, as you do, as we all do in this area of gospel outreach. But I just want to share some things that perhaps um, takes place in Scotland that you may find interesting and thought-provoking. I wasn't quite sure if uh, Michael had seen this. I I put this together first thing this morning just because of the jet lag thing was up a bit early. So I hadn't had time to put it together before this, so it may be a wee bit ropey, just to excuse that. We're thinking about um, spiritual warfare, and evangelism is spiritual warfare. So when you think about um, spiritual warfare, there are two aspects to it. There's the strategic and the tactical. Um, So the strategy and tactics. Now this is, we're going to see for just for a second, this is completely biblical. Um, The strategy of the gospel is not like that at all. Um, That is the wrong concept. To think that the gospel is to be, um, or service in the gospel is like serving in a corporation or a business expansion plan. It's not. And in fact, it is very much opposite to that. And so, strategy is different. Um, Strategy, that's the strategy. So, the strategy is the overall aim which we want to accomplish. And the overall aim in the gospel is simple. The aim is to go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to everybody and to proclaim it far and near. And the Lord said this in his great commission, and that commission stands. And so it is to proclaim, it is to make disciples, it is to baptize in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and it is to teach to, uh, them to observe all things that I have commanded you and so forth. So there's the strategy. And it doesn't deviate from that one iota. It shouldn't deviate from that. We shouldn't lose sight of that ever when we're thinking about outreach and witness. Having said that, then you have tactics. Now, excuse me for ripping this off images from the website of the internet. Excuse me for that. But um, this just, this isn't mine. I've just ripped off something. So strategy and tactics. Why? Why do we do it? What's the need? Well, the simple motivating for fact, uh, factor in the gospel is the love of Christ. The Apostle Paul spoke about that being compelled by the love of Christ. And the desire to honor God and fulfill the command of Christ and to reach out into a broken world. And compassion for the world and love for God, these are the motivating factors. What should we do? That's the strategy. The strategy is we need to take the gospel into the world. 
the issue then arises, which is tactics. How is that done? How will we get that done? And that's probably where most of the conversations take place and where most of the issues arise. It's not the why and it's not the what, but it's the how. Well, just think about the Apostle Paul. If you think about strategy and tactics, his strategy was clear. He was going to communicate the gospel far and near. But his tactics were well thought out. He didn't just blunder on without any idea of what he was going to do and how he was going to accomplish it. If you look at his missionary journeys, they are tactical. They're not random. If you follow where he went and why he went to these locations, you'll find this, that he targeted the cities and the hubs of communication in his day. He didn't go to every village and preach the gospel on his route, but rather he targeted these areas where he could see people saved and they then could disseminate the gospel back into their communities. So there were, that was his tactics, unashamedly. And there were times that he would spend a long time in a city, times he would spend a short time in a city. Just trace it. But if you trace his missionary journeys, you will find that he's hitting all the major centers of communication within that area of the world. And he wanted to get to the real hub, which was Rome. And he wanted to get to the outward areas of, of the then known Roman world, which was Spain. So he had a plan. The plan was to enact his strategy and do so in the most effective manner possible. So he used the transportation that was available to him. He didn't go over land all the time. There were times he wanted to get faster to one place or another, and he took a ship. When he went to these places in the cities, he didn't go to the same place. So it, I didn't have time to get all the scriptures together for this, but you can trace this in your mind. He had a plan. His tactics were that when he went to a location that he'd identified, he then found areas within that city where he could effectively fulfill his strategy. That was his tactic. So he would go to marketplaces, synagogues, debating forums, places where people prayed. Like at Philippi, he went by down by the river because he knew there would be people praying of a religious disposition. And he went to houses where he had opportunities to debate and discuss the gospel. So he had clear tactics. It wasn't random, it was thought out, and it was intentional, and it was effective. So he didn't go into a city, hire a house, stick up a sign, and sit there. And then sit there. And then leave. So rather than that, he was active and proactive in engaging the people for whom he wanted to fulfill the strategy. So the strategy wasn't going to be fulfilled unless he had tactics. So he thought out his tactics. What did he do? So here's the second layer. So where did he go and what did he do? Well, these are words that appear in the Acts of the Apostles. These are uh, um, words that appear in terms of the original Greek and they are words that describe Paul's tactics. So he didn't just go randomly. He went intentionally and selectively to cities. And when he was in the city, again, he had a plan. And the plan was that he could fulfill his strategy by getting to as many people effectively as he could. So he went to where they were. 
And then beyond that, when he was there, he adopted his tactics to suit his environment. So there were times when he would stand up and he would preach publicly and he would emphatically declare. So there'd be no debate, there'd be no discussion, he would just state things publicly. There were other times when he would lecture. And so that word is used, as is the word argument, persuasion, exposition. He would speak, he would announce, and he would dialogue. What's he doing? He's using the full ambit of communication available to him with the physical proximity of people close to him. So he is using every literary skill that he can possess to communicate the gospel. He's preaching, he's teaching, he's discussing, he's debating, he's engaging one-to-one, he's doing the whole thing. And he's not even doing it in the same place. So he will adapt his method to suit his audience, to fulfill his overarching strategy. The same message delivered in fulfillment of the commission, but the method suited the environment. You cannot get away from that in the book of the Acts. It's to do the Apostle Paul a disservice to think that he didn't do that. He did. I wrote this 12 years, uh, in 2012, when I did, I was just telling Michael, I did a position paper in relation to the gospel in our assembly, and I said this, that the gospel commission of the Lord Jesus is not fulfilled when people are not present to hear what is preached. So there is no fulfillment of the gospel commission when there is no one there. So a necessary part of the gospel commission has to be the people receiving what is being declared. The declaration of it is not the fulfillment of the commission. When you look at the commission, there is the declaration, there is the preaching, but there is also people who are receiving it, hearing it. You have to go into all the world and preach the gospel, but you don't stand off a cliff and preach to the sea. There has to be an audience, whatever that audience may be, to fulfill the commission. So, the question is that, where is our marketplace today? That's the question. So, I don't have time to go into all of the stuff that we could do, but I'm just going to focus in on a narrow thing here and ask where do you spend most of your money today? Shopping. <laughs> now, that's a no-brainer, isn't it? I mean, I've become intimately associated with the van delivery guy that brings the parcels to our door. <laughs> like, I mean, it's, he's, he's virtually coming to Christmas dinner. You know, <laughs> I know him so well. And, yeah, so the marketplace today is the Internet. It is the predominant place where the market is. When you think about our world, there are two things now exist strongly. There is the possibility of physical proximity to your audience, which, by the way, should not be ignored. It's the most effective means of communication, the gospel, when you're literally staring into the eyes of an unbeliever. What does that look like in our society? I'm talking about back home in Scotland. Okay, physical proximity takes place in a normal week in Scotland in the city centre and work centres during the working week. That's where people are. They're not in their houses, they're at work. 
Secondly, mainly in the shopping malls during the weekend. So they're not at their work. Where are they? Mostly they're in the mall. Or they're at the sports stadiums. That's where you'll find them. In Scotland, we call it football. You call it soccer. Football's the right word, by the way, I'm just saying. But anyway, um, in our city of Glasgow, um, we have the great churches, massive cathedrals of Ibrooks, Parkhead, and these are football stadiums. And the congregation is 60,000 in each stadium of a weekend, with millions more tuning in. That's the religion of our city. It crosses religious boundaries. The other place where you gain physical proximity to people are fairs, cultural events, and local community events, when people are out their houses and they're engaging in some activity that you can also engage in. Now, whether we like it or not, that is our marketplace in our society. So if you're going to engage with people in a physical sense, in close proximity, you will either need to do so at their place of work or surrounding their place of work or in the shopping mall or surrounding the shopping mall or in the sports stadiums or surrounding the sports stadiums or at other similar events. No one in our community goes to church as a social event or regular activity. The church attendance is tiny in our community back home. They go elsewhere. So they're not go if they don't go to any church, the chances of them coming to yours is minuscule. They just don't do it. It's not part of their thought process. The other um, issue about um, gospel is this. Not just physical proximity to convey a message, but also scattering the seed. Now, how, how is that done? So that is that you're not actually in relationship with the person that you're engaging with. You're not close physically to them, but you're still communicating to them. So we do that, as in other parts of the world, with billboards, roadside advertising, magazines, which are printed to the highest quality we can get and distributed by uh, what we call Royal Mail. So you do mail drops, and there are tens of thousands. Um, advertising space, buying it, using it, and designing it. Um, basically communicating a message where messages are communicated, which is advertising space. Online, which I'll speak about shortly, which is the biggest marketplace that we possess that's ever existed. It's also got the biggest reach for scattering seed that's ever existed, social media, websites, blogs, podcasts, all of that stuff. So the two ideas, you get physical proximity. You want to engage with people. The idea of only expecting people to leave their house after they've worked all day and come out to a place that they've never been to, to an activity that they would never conceivably engage in and come six nights in a row out the blue is not happening in our society back home. It may happen at some point in their journey towards Christ, but it certainly would be quite close to the end of that journey as opposed to the beginning. I'm putting that up there. It's not come through very well, but um, I saw that in a place called Huddersfield in England a couple of weeks ago, um, and it's an it's a illuminated billboard by the, in the city center by um, a couple of brothers who've got a website called Hope by the Roadside. Um, 
young Scottish brother who, who set that up and he's, yeah, he's out in Uganda at the moment and he's got billboards all over the place in the capital city of U Uganda. And um, he's a working guy, but he's got this exercise and he has billboards all over the place. So you can see this. That is extremely effective. That's in the town centre and it changes, obviously, but um, I don't know if you would see this, but that's taken from about three streets away in the city centre and it's illuminated. It's a big LED thing. Now, that costs money, but that is a wise use of funds because that seed is being scattered in that town centre. During the day, there are tens, tens of thousands of people who walk past that, going to their work. Um, here's another little idea of what we do with scattering the seed. I hope we can see this okay. I hope you can hear it. Oh, we can't hear it. Let's try again. This, I should say, was from August this year in Edinburgh. Okay, sorry, that's just not clear, um, as, it, as we hoped. The, the idea is that, you know, in Edinburgh in August, um, there's a bunch of us get together, a lot of young folk get together. It's a wee bit like your seed sewing thing, um, where we get these bags printed, filled with literature, and get teams of young folk giving them out in the city centre. So we did 60,000 just in um, a week in August, and we'll do that each year. 
So that's just another sort of idea um, of scattering the seed. So if you just think about the sort of seed scattering thing, and then think very quickly about the internet marketplace. Um, the internet is something that, you know, I think is extremely underused by us in relation to the gospel. Um, I discovered the power of it in relation to spiritual things when I got an app done in 2014. So I got a company in Seattle to build it uh, called Subsplash. And I'd seen uh, all the apps from Grace to You and Desiring God and so on, and they were all built by this company. So I was out having meetings there, and we got it done. And the idea was just to have ministry from our Bible class, which I, would, I take on a Friday night, and put it on this app and see where it will go. And so that's what we did, and that's what it kind of looks like. So all the ministry from our Bible class is on it. And I just snapped that off it. So we've got 5,046 downloads of it, of the app. And, you know, look at the media plays, 34,504, and that's in a year, and so on. It's just big numbers. And the idea is just this, that there is a tremendous engagement online to the ministry through that app. And that app is downloaded all over the place, and it's never advertised by us. It just has a life of its own, and it keeps going and going and going and going. And it just alerted me to the possibilities of getting something done to the highest possible standard, paying for it properly, and then filling it with the best material we could get um, that would not be restricted to assemblies, but to be evangelical with New Testament truth and to get it over the wall, so to speak, and spread out as far as possible. And that has led to a whole lot of stuff um, which has been interesting. We also um, have, some of you know this, uh, an online project called Understanding the Gospel, which we now have just about 100 saints involved in. Um, so it was really through looking at the Gospel Coalition and Desiring God Ministries and asking, why is there nothing like this from an assembly perspective? Why, why is anything we do rubbish um, and of poor quality? when there's so much talent amongst us that can produce uh, excellent um, online resources. So I um, got a few of us together. Um, that's some of us uh, got involved in this. And uh, we decided that the writing quality amongst the people we wanted to write was pretty poor. And so we got a chap called David Newell, whose English literature is his subject, and uh, he works at the University in Glasgow. Uh, he agreed to do workshops, grammar workshops, and writing workshops for our writers. So to write for the project, you've got to go through a weekend workshop with David, and uh, he strips all your confidence away so that you realize you know nothing, um, and then he rebuilds you. So we did that. We got 54 writers through that, um, young and old. And then writers, so we've got th we had 31 writers who've contributed now because some had to drop out and some... Some things weren't good enough, others were. And then we also got an IT team together um, of five guys who do this stuff for a living and do it to high standard. Um, we got some uh, video team put together. So again, people who do it commercially for um, big businesses. We wanted these people using the best of their skills to put together video material for the project. Um, and also we have four people in an editorial and content management team. Um, so, 
That, by the way, is the BBC News Round. Um, the reason I'm putting that up is that we have um, gaps in this project that we want to fill. So we want to target the 10-year-old to 14-year-old age group, which we haven't targeted at all. Um, and we've got a whole project running at the moment to produce. Um, it will look something like that. That's just the model we're using off the BBC. Um, so it will be communicating um, to that age group. They'll be able to communicate on their phone. It'll be for Bible class leaders to use. Homework will be on the phone. And it will be to take um, the youngsters through basic Bible truths. Uh, we get some all sorts of videos done. Um, this is Paul McCauley, um, who's miming there, um, and Paul Coxall. So there's a lot of videos done as well on the site. And then our latest um, aspect of the project was that there was nothing really for specifically the issues that are specific to women with the tightest uh, truth of older sisters ministering to younger sisters. And so we got um, a group of sisters together Five of them are writing already for the project, but we got another 30 of them together um, and did two workshops with them a few weeks ago, um, which was uh, challenging to say the least. So um, when you have the guys together who are going to write, they just take instruction and there's no problem, you know. <laughs> the women, it's a whole different thing. Like, there wasn't a minute's silence for two days. It's like, it was uh, very stressful in many ways. Um, um, so we had a completely different mindset required for this. Um, and um, we discovered this, that in terms of uh, the female audience, so we broke it down into areas that we felt were untouched by us in relation to the gospel and also in relation to, to Christian teaching and particularly the Titus 2 thing. So there is the, the, the girls who are at school, there's those who are at university or college, and then there's the business um, arena as well, women in business, and then also this stuff which seems to dominate um, uh, the, whole, the whole area of young women. Um, and then there's the family thing as well at all sorts of stages. So we, we decided to get them together for rather than us impose material on them, but to get the material flowing out from them. Um, and it was very educational for me in many, in many ways. So we did that. And um, we've divided them into workshop groups now, and they're working away on their own, producing material. Um, this, was this was my slides to them as I was trying to take control of these uh, workshops, but absolutely no avail whatsoever. Um, they had a life of their own. So um, the idea was that they would um, learn off each other, and I discovered that they were doing that to a tremendous degree, and then that they would be able to minister to younger sisters um, and so on. <laughs> they all wanted cool team names, which is just another thing. I just they objected to what I was calling the groups, so I had to get cool team names. The the point is just this: that on the internet, we feel that there is um, opportunities to minister to Christians who are not in assembly fellowship, and to reach unsaved people who otherwise we will never have physical proximity to but we can communicate the gospel. But to do that, in my opinion, you have to get your material to the highest quality possible, the highest quality. You know, if we're engaging a younger generation, which, by the way, you know, for this project, you know, Insta stories, all that kind of stuff is all being done, but not by me. 
because uh, I don't have a clue. So we just got younger people in to do the social media stuff and put a team together for that and put a team together for the teenagers and so on. And it's just a case of building teams, setting them off, resourcing them, and then managing them. So as I say, we've, got, we've now got about 100 people involved and trying to get the second level of internet material out there. And then once we reach our community, and then that community has reached their community, the challenge is to get it beyond it, um, to get it beyond it. So you need viral tweets and all this kind of stuff, and there are folk who work in that for us. So that's all I'm going to say, because my time's up, and hopefully that might provoke some questions. But I do just want to emphasize, as a last resort, that please don't think that um, we have everything sorted. Far, far from it. These were hopefully just a bit of thought-provoking. Um, things. Thanks.